I'm Michael Laurie and you're listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundup. Hello and welcome to the Ulster Rugby Roundup's World Cup Special, brought to you in association with Remus Uomo, Victoria Square Belfast and Stockists Nationwide. Ireland's World Cup is underway and in some style too. Jonathan Bradley once again joins us down the line from Japan. Jonathan, hello. Hello again. How are we doing? I think we're all very good after watching that this morning. I'm sure you feel something similar to that. Yes, it's hard to be bad to that now. <laughs> what was it like? Just obviously in case any, well, everybody listening to this will know that Ireland beat Scotland 27-3 in the opening game of, the, of the, their World Cup campaign. But... How how was it to yeah, to be there? Using us for news. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're tuning in. <laughs> Wonder how the to wait. There's a podcast out. <laughs> um. So how was it to be there? Pretty special. Yeah, it was another great atmosphere. To be fair, all three games that I've been to this weekend, the atmosphere has been great in all of them. Um. A lot of Irish fans, it really felt like they'd sort of arrived because I hadn't seen that many just around the place. I obviously only moved to Yokohama where probably Ireland were based um, yesterday. Mm. So you were sort of out of the way of those fans a bit. So a lot of Australia fans, a lot of Japanese fans, um, obviously. But um, it was just huge huge pockets of uh, of green jerseys throughout throughout the stadium and obviously they all had a had a very enjoyable day given how the game went <laughs> absolutely well let's talk first of all about Rory Best who we'd spoke at length all summer about the extra scrutiny his game had been under after that defeat at Twickenham and people are saying that as usual questioning his captaincy there's nobody's going to be questioning him after that performance. No, I wouldn't have thought so. No, um, very good, very very good. If you look at the sort of core elements of the game, he made his tackles. He was very good defensively. He was front and center, even in that late turnover, which however many minutes that was, went to full eighty. Um, Popped up at scrum half a fair few times and get <laughs> nine passes in the game, which was um, twice as many carries as he had. So, <laughs> um, but that was a bit of an odd one for him. And not just the fact I think that he scored the try, but it was a huge moment in the game when he decided to yeah. go for the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, Ireland were in the ascendancy then, and they really sort of put the foot on the throat with um, that decision to go for the corner and then to score. You know, we saw South Africa. Um, Admittedly, not having scored a try, but only three up in a similar position yesterday against the All Blacks. Mm-hmm. They went for the penalty, missed the penalty, and then it was a very long time before they um, scored again or really saw the ball again. I think pretty much the next time they had any decent spell of possession, the All Blacks had uh, put 17 points on them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to give Rory credit for backing the line out mall, which is something that we've really seen throughout this tournament so far at all again. Like line out malls are really uh, they're really back in vogue here. And <laughs> it's great to see. especially with uh, was very, very effective today. How much does that tell you about the confidence? Because obviously don't need us to tell anybody how much of an issue Ireland's line out has been in, in recent times and particularly uh, Rory's part in that. So 
uh, for it to be so impressive. I mean, Rory had a hundred percent record from what was it nine lineouts today? Um, for that oh, all to come together, oh, 12, Sorry, for that all to come together at at this moment was pretty nice. Yeah, I think um, you probably saw them come into the line a bit later, uh, and then there was a lot more late movement as well. I think. Okay. Um, sort of clouding that picture for Scotland mm-hmm. a little bit and then you know pretty much by halfway through the second half Scotland weren't even really contesting which I found very <laughs> yeah. strange like yeah. whenever we were talking before like I'd mentioned about Johnny Gray and um, sort of the fear that he could be really destructive at the set piece but there was a couple of scrappy ones but even when Ireland were under pressure at the start of the second half and Scotland tried to pin them in, pin them in behind with a few kicks from Stuart Hogg and they were still able to exit really effectively, use Conor Murray's kicking game, which was a huge part of the win as well. Mm-hmm. And that's in addition to obviously the couple of big rumbles that they had attacking wise. Yeah. And uh, the try itself, Rory's try itself, was just uh, was a nice little piece of play. Scotland looked to be sort of trying to push them out over the line. They, they sneaked up and got the try. Yeah, it was a good finish to, uh, you know, obviously um, from close in and. You know, hookers can score, can rack up quite a few scores over the course of a season mm-hmm. off the back of balls like that. But he, he had to work for that one. There was a bit of a bit of a stretch and a bit of a wriggle to get it over. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to talk a little bit briefly about Rory before the game. I know you were sitting up at the back of the stand, didn't have the view of Rory's face as we had during uh, Ireland's call. But I'm sure you've seen the videos now. The emotion yeah. it, it it sort of took me aback a little bit. The emotion that he showed and like he was very nearly in tears, as were some of the other players. Yeah, and then it, uh, um, you could see it on the big screen, and then they went to Scotland, and obviously they were um, fairly emotional as well. I think mm-hmm. one thing that you probably have to take from this um, opening weekend of the World Cup is like as much as we've all been excited to cover it, and as much as fans have all been excited to watch it. One thing that I think's been really clear is how big it is for the players because yeah. they've all been really, really emotional or really, really nervous mm-hmm. looking in the first sort of 15, 20 minutes of games. Yeah. Like, you know, even the All Blacks took a while to settle into settle into the rhythm that they eventually find um, yesterday. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can definitely see an awful lot of emotion throughout both sets of sides. Um, mm-hmm yesterday and then it's that's one of the curious things i think the fact that you know ireland seemed emotional but channeled that whereas scotland mm-hmm. seemed emotional and then we're just almost drained of energy it seemed mm-hmm. in that first sort of 25 minutes yeah there were emotion except for me and henderson who just looked like he, he just had a death stare on it was terrifying um yeah, just before yeah, henderson looked ready, ready, <laughs> ready for a world cup absolutely ready we'll talk a little bit about Ian Henderson in a few minutes but just before we leave Rory interesting quotes from him after the game just on TV I'm sure he, he said more to you guys but after what was such a good performance from Ireland he nearly sounded like he was really unhappy about it and just said that like, we know how much we need to get better than this uh, I suppose that says it all about the captain mentality there well I think the fact of the matter is like they probably do need to get better mm-hmm and that's a strange, um, strange thing to say after such a dominating performance. But the way that Ireland won that game was through pretty much sheer, sheer dominance and sheer physical dominance from their tight five. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to be able to do that against um, South Africa in the same way that you can do it against Scotland. So it'll take something 
above that to beat mm-hmm. a team like South Africa, I think, personally. Yeah, okay. Fair. Probably fair. So Ian Henderson uh, was on our match ratings on the website was uh, man of match, 9 out of 10. Did you agree with that? Genuinely, to be honest, I think you could have given any of Ireland's tight five. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Plus Josh van der Flair and then CJ who did win it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, any of that pack, apart from obviously Peter Oman, they went off early. Like, you yeah. could have given it to any one of them, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I think, you know, given that he went 80, um, you could have given it to Rory and James Ryan again, superb. And mm-hmm. yeah, to be honest, I probably would have, I would have edged it to Handy, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I genuinely couldn't have argued if it went to yeah. any number of players. And that was I was a Dublin, Dublin journalist that did our ratings as well, so even he gave it to Handy. Um, that <laughs> his work for that first try in particular was was very impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, like it, it felt like a real tone setter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think whenever you see somebody like Henderson have that big gallop mm-hmm. early on. It lifts everybody, and then the fact that you score off it, the next time then that you're in the 22, you score, the next time you're in the 22, you score. Like, and just as a, as a forward pack as well, you know, Henderson created the try for James Ryan, mm-hmm. and the line-out created the try for Rory Best, and a solid scrum created the try for Tyg Furlong. Mm-hmm. So what you have there, not to... Um, completely ignore the contribution of Andrew Conway to one of those tries but what you essentially have is the tight five creating three tries for the tight five and when you're playing in a rugby team where those five are doing what they need to do to such a degree that they've essentially chiselled out whatever it was 19 points you you feel great about that (laughs) as the rest of the team because like you know you're going to be in for a handy enough day yeah absolutely uh, Henderson's performance in general and just aside from, from that work for the first try was I mean he set that tone but then he, he carried it on for the rest of the game yeah it was a great a great, um, a great Ian Henderson performance I think like you know you go back to the last World Cup and he made such an impact there um, four years ago mm-hmm. and then in terms of Ireland, you know, you're probably putting those World Cup performances up with um, maybe his performance against England in 2017 in the Six Nations, maybe even his performance against the All Blacks off the bench as the ones where he's really, really hit the heights. And that, that was him again there, you know, very, very, very close to his uh, the best performances that he's put in for Ireland, I think. Yeah, the World Cup, as you tweeted, the World Cup brings the, brings the very best out in him. Jacob. Yeah, like I, I do think that there's something in it more than just you know he likes the big occasion. I think yeah. like you see it even in you know when he gets a real run in Ulster as well. You know when he gets say around Champions Cup time or whatever, when he gets a real run on the team and can build up ahead of steam, um, he always puts in his best performances. I think now we've seen him like come back from injury layoffs and look like 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 he hasn't missed a beat. Mm-hmm. So it's not saying that he only plays well, you know, in his fourth or fifth game in succession mm-hmm. or whatever. But I just do think that he is one of these players that almost the more regularly he plays, 
the better he plays, which can be quite difficult, obviously, now in the way that the players are managed, you know. You're listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundups World Cup Special, brought to you in association with We Victoria Square Belfast and Stockist Nationwide. As we've said then, the performance of the Oosh forwards didn't really uh, leave the backs needing to do all that much to win the game, but so Jacob Stockdale missed out on his customary try that he seems to get every Ireland game, but he did contribute in several ways, predominantly with a couple of massive hits. Do you know what? And that was the more. I'm actually just before you phoned there, I was writing, um, writing a piece about Stockdale, mm. um, and just sort of saying, you know, if you want to sort of look at the two big reasons why Ireland won that game, you're going to look at Jacob Stockdale because on the one hand, he barely touched the ball, <laughs> which showed you how good how good their forwards were, and on the other, you're talking about his defensive contributions. And obviously, he's not somebody that um, has been known known for that, fairly or unfairly. He gets a lot, awful lot of flack for his defence. But for me, that hit on Stuart Hogg, where it almost mm-hmm. looked like he had a grin on his face before he got up there, like <laughs> because he knew um, that he had timed it absolutely to perfection. Yeah, and um, that to me sort of summed up the fact that it seemed like Ireland were always defensively where they needed to be just that um, you know half a beat before Scotland were there you know like uh, he was speaking after obviously and he said um, you know there's a reason why you call them 100% and not 99% you have to get it exactly right Mm -hmm. and he did and then Somebody else who I thought was really impressive in that same regard as well was Gary Ringrose because um, he was another one basically off the back of the Twickenham debacle who would have had his decision-making questioned and his timing questioned and I suppose their communication as a backline unit was questioned. But you look at those examples of when Scotland looks to get their playmakers on the ball, obviously, because in Finn Russell and Stuart Hall they have two really probably world-class players, I think, yeah. um, who can create something out of nothing. And the more those guys get touches, the better Scotland are. But Ireland just didn't give them any space. Mm-hmm. You know, they were right in their face. And those couple of tackles from, from Ringrose and Stockdale really epitomised it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Just to move on from the, the Ulster players then, you mentioned him briefly earlier, but uh, James Ryan really underlined what we had said before the game and that he is um, completely and utterly world-class. Yeah, I think it's probably a bit strange to, or it'll seem like a bit of a jump, but like I think when you have Henderson and Ryan in the engine room and they're playing like that, you know, I think you can put them with anyone. Like You talk about whether... Ireland can physically deal with the Springboks or even physically deal with New Zealand. Mm-hmm. But one thing that they can take an awful lot of confidence from in that regard is the way that those two guys are playing together. And like, um, it, it seems wholly foolish now that like in the build-up to this, we were mooting the point of Ireland needing a real impact bench. And you know, would you use Henderson as an impact sub? Mm-hmm. Because I like I even wrote uh, I wrote a column during the week about how important the bench was going to be because on 50 minutes to be able to bring on these dynamics 
playing out like players and then by 50 minutes you know the game was over yeah, well, <laughs> the, yeah. the starting pack had been so good that you didn't need those replacements mm-hmm. yeah no absolutely you're right so just to look back on the performances you've mentioned as well Scotland really weren't very good at all so is there a danger that we can get a little bit carried away as to how good Ireland actually were? I mean, was it how much of it was Ireland being good? How much of it was Scotland being bad? I click it's all. It's these things are always a mixture of the two. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And Scotland were really poor. As you know, I I was saying all summer that Scotland are a bad team outside of Edinburgh, <laughs> and they were a bad team here. Like mm. make no mistake about that. They were almost curiously bad given the occasion like yeah. the Scottish journalists did sort of go for them in the in the press afterwards and Gregor Townsend said that they lacked energy that they lacked um, aggression and you know how can you lack those two things mm. um, in a game this big that you've known is coming for so long you know it's yeah. It's, it was genuinely baffling how bad they were. Speaking of the Scottish journalists, noticed your, your tweet earlier that uh, they had branded Rory Best as, uh, what was it, as a, an emotional selection and as one of Ireland's weaknesses. Just forgot to mention that earlier, yeah. just to throw that in. Not a great call. <laughs> to be fair, somebody on Twitter, obviously, because um, it's 2019, so these people are contactable um, has pointed out this to, to the the former Scottish international in question and he has uh, graciously admitted his mistakes so uh, <laughs> you know we all we all come out with outlandish opinions every so often it's one of the uh, natures of the job yeah, I suppose absolutely so what is next for you then now the, the first game's out of the road what's next for you next for me so I'll be going to the Ireland Presser tomorrow, which is 9 a.m. So that's, um, I don't know what time it is now, uh, half 12 now. So yes, that'll, that'll come around soon enough. It, it feels will. like we've literally just, literally just finished talking to these guys, but we're going to another Presser tomorrow. Then it's on the on the bullet train, so we're getting the bullet train for the first time. That'll be cool. And down to... Hamamatsu, where just outside Shizuoka, where Ireland are based, and um, for the Japan game, mm-hmm. and then tomorrow I'm going to go to a Japanese presser as well. Hopefully, if uh, if the timings line up, so that, that'll and be if there's actually tomorrow, a translator yeah. provided for this one, because I knew one of your colleagues went to the one last week and there was no translator, so it was a bit of a wasted journey for. Well, him. yeah, th- yeah, this is the thing. Um, Keegan obviously had his issues when he got there, but. <laughs> Um, talking to a few other guys are hoping if enough of us go then we can yeah. maybe get one of the English speaking players um, and they've obviously got quite a few in the squad there now speaking yeah. to two of them on Friday night in the mixed zone so um, worst case scenario I'll just use the two that I already have in the back <laughs> for a piece on Japan for uh, what, Tuesday so looking ahead for Ireland obviously they have all these pool games left, but really it's all about South Africa from, from here on in. You saw South Africa and New Zealand on Saturday. What yeah. uh, were you? What did you think? What you, what was your takeaway from that game? Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. A really good game. Um, really high-quality game. But I think you come away from that and 
I sort of said this in my um, on the whistle report, and I stand by it now that I don't think. Now I know a lot of people are saying, "Well, that shows us how foolhardy we are to doubt New Zealand. Mm-hmm. They're far and away the best team." And I don't think that you can say that because you know South Africa showed a way to get at them for sort of half an hour or so. Mm. The All Blacks were at their very best for sort of like five minutes, really. Yeah. And I think if if they had if um, if they had kept that going into the second half and killed off the game, I think you would have said that that's laid down a marker because I've seen that phrase used. I'm not sure if what happened, you can say laid down a marker. I know they beat a really good team by ten points, but they had the game won. They let them back in it. They were pretty average for the first half an hour pretty average for 20 minutes in the second half you know I just wonder if a team basically if a team gives it their absolute best shot I think they can beat New Zealand Hmm. and I don't think I would have said that four years ago because I think four years ago if a team gave it their all I think New Zealand were still going to beat them and if New Zealand Oh, sorry, and if a team warranted their best, New Zealand were going to absolutely rip them to shreds the <laughs> yeah. way they did to France in the quarters. And I don't mm-hmm. feel that about this New Zealand team. Well, what about... <laughs> there was, like, there was stuff to like about them. You know, I think that... I do think that the dual playmaker thing worked. I think that you'd much rather the other way around. And probably Barrett was at 10 and Damian McKenzie was at 15. But unfortunately, with his injury, you don't have that option. So you've got Barrett at 15. And I know he got man of the match. I would have given it to Cheslin Colby, even though they got beat. Feeling that, I would have given it to Artie Svea. Mm-hmm. Barrett did play well. I'm not, I'm not saying he didn't. But for me, he just doesn't get on the ball quite as much as you would like for the talent that he has. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> Yeah, as I say, it was a fascinating match. It's been a fascinating weekend. It really yeah. has. Just, just very quickly before we let you go, hopefully Ireland get to find out eventually how beatable New Zealand are. But first up, they'll have to get past South Africa. Was there enough that you saw on Saturday that, well, and combined what you saw on Saturday and on Sunday that helped you believe that Ireland could win that one? Yeah, I think I, I think there was enough there that a coach like Joe Schmidt, who now has three weeks to prepare for it will have seen plenty like they leave so much space on the outside and I think you look at you know the wingers who didn't get too much ball today mm-hmm. I think you'd see a very different type of game against South Africa because I think Ireland would really try and exploit that uh, space outside it would be a big game for somebody like Gary Ringrose with his mm-hmm. sort of distribution skills um, and Johnny Sexton's I suppose ability to ping those cross kicks into the not even into the corners but just out wide yeah. would be would become a huge thing but obviously the danger is that we've seen Ireland get we've seen basically what happened to Scotland today happened to Ireland when they played more physically dominant teams over the last sort of um, whatever six months mm-hmm. yeah. and so the fear would be that South Africa match up very well in their ability to do just that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got a few weeks to look forward to that one now, but uh, we'll let you go. As you say, that press conference is going to come up uh, very soon. Like uh, well, of course, yeah. Six-day turnaround, all very quick. So we'll be back with you before then, once the Ireland team is announced. Um, 
we'll be back for another little chat to look ahead to that one. So go off you and get some sleep. Get up for the press conference in the morning. Thank you very much. Good talk to you. No problem at all. Talk to you soon, man. Cheers. Bye now. You've been listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundups World Cup Special, brought to you in association with Remus Uomo, Victoria Square Belfast and Stockists Nationwide.